Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson. Uh, today, we have Liz Irving on the podcast. I'm really excited uh, about this chat. I have been for a while and finally uh, it came to fruition today. Uh, she, has an, she had an incredible uh, career as a player, both as a junior and a, a professional player. She reached number two in the world professionally. Uh, then she parlayed that into a very successful uh, coaching career, as many of us know. Uh, uh, firstly, with uh, Vanessa Atkinson uh, taking her uh, all the way to world number one. Uh, they had a great relationship together. And then in 2001, obviously, she uh, she worked with and has and is still doing so now, working with uh, Nicole David. And we all know what a storied uh, professional career Nicole's had. Uh, Hall of Fame squash career that Nicole David had and uh, she's been working with her and still works with her uh, now to this day in fact I believe they're off to Chicago for the World uh, World Open coming up so uh, they're going to have to brace themselves for some uh, severely cold weather but hopefully by the time uh, uh, they arrive there may uh, temperatures may drop to a minus 20 or so so hopefully uh, uh, that'll that'll be fine for them. Uh, yes, yeah, so we uh, talk about her playing career, her junior career, and then uh, how things played out for her as a coach with uh, Vanessa, and then subsequently with uh, Nicole. And also, uh, and for many of you, you probably know this already. Uh, she has a, a squash app called Squash Lab, and she lays that out for us. It's a a uh, great app for players of all levels, and she tells us what that's all about and how we can uh, use it to uh, improve our games. And uh, in the end, I also, uh, selfishly, as I tend to do, if I have a coach on the podcast, I ask a, a couple of uh, questions. I didn't uh, seek out any uh, listener questions this time around, but uh, because I figured I'm not sure if I, I wasn't sure if I had enough time, but in the end, I did. And, uh, yeah, you might find uh, her response to, to a couple of my questions quite uh, useful. Uh, but anyways, uh, this is episode uh, 68 with Liz Irving. All right, well, uh, welcome to episode uh, 67 of the In Squash podcast, and I'm really excited to have on uh, today the former uh, world number two, 1993 World Open runner-up and three times British Open runner-up, four-time winner of the World Team Championships with Team Australia. Uh, and now, obviously, she's uh, famously the coach to Nicole David and others, uh, previously uh, Vanessa Atkinson as well. And she also has a new squash app, an exciting new app called the Squash Lab. Liz Irving is my guest. Liz, uh, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Jerry. Nice to be with you. Yeah, and uh, by the way, belated uh, B-Day greetings. I, I think you celebrated a birthday uh, recently, uh, a few weeks ago, maybe. <laughs> but I'm, I'm counting backwards now, so don't worry. It's <laughs> <laughs> That's right, like Benjamin Button. Aging yeah, in reverse. I'm not counting forwards anymore. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, uh, are you in uh, Australia at the moment, or back in uh, in Amst in uh, Holland? Well, I'm in uh, uh, Brisbane at the moment, but I'm heading up to uh, Chicago in a few days. So, um, okay, going to be very extreme differences in temperature because it's around 35 degrees here in Brisbane at the moment, and yeah. I believe. Well, it has been down to minus 15 in Chicago. So I'm really hoping that at least it's maybe minus 20 in Chicago by the time I get there, which will be a little more doable than minus 50. <laughs> yeah, <I hope>. exactly. <laughs> I just had... Uh, 
20 is doable. I didn't think. Uh, well, yeah. Chicago's a, a fantastic city, though. So hopefully just, uh, you know, the excitement uh, of being in that city will uh, help uh, overcome the severe, severely cold weather. Absolutely. Yeah. I just had Bob Ballinger on uh, the podcast. He had his uh, Calgary uh, Pro-Am event, which just wrapped up. And he was saying it was, uh, you know, very, very cold there for the players as well. So it must be, oh, yeah. uh, must be global warming. Something's happening. Crazy, <laughs> crazy so. weather. So. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, well uh, Liz, before we, uh, I mean, you, you've obviously had a, a great career as a coach uh, uh, post squash, uh, your playing days, but I'd like to take a look back if you don't mind uh, at your playing career. Um, you had a highly uh, decorated junior career. You were the number one seed at the, uh, uh, world juniors in 93 and you did, did quite well yes. during those early years uh, and as I discovered your mom was a world uh, number two player as well so she must have been uh, key in your early growth as a player well, what were those uh, years like for you as a junior and uh, uh, how might they differ from the from the way that uh, the routines of today's juniors uh, well, I think probably when I was growing up, because my mum played squash, you know, in those days, we got into squash because our parents played squash. There mm -hmm. were no, you know, we're talking over 50 years ago. So it's kind of, you know, it's like, um, you know, there weren't any junior programs. You couldn't, uh, really, you couldn't play competition until you were over 11 or 12, 11 years of age, I think. Certainly when I was um, eight years of age, seven or eight, I was dying to play you know, people in competition, but I wasn't allowed to. So, you know, it was just a case of, you know, just sort of being around the squash club because my mum used to work at the squash club in Sydney at Bondi Waverley down in mm -hmm. uh, New South Wales there. And, um, you know, I used to be there as a baby. And then, you know, I sort of, you know, ran around that squash centre, you know, in my early years, just being around squash and watching it. And then, you know, having a little racket, half-cut racket put into my hand and <laughs> to keep me keep me entertained rather than uh, climbing the rafters and swinging around and scaring the hell out of my mum you know yeah. so she just used to put me on the court with a, with a little racket and ball and you know I'd, I'd you know start hitting a ball so I was hitting a ball at around two and a half years of age so right but you know that was quite unique in those days and it's it's more you know it's more obvious now because you see on Facebook and Instagram a lot of the ex-players you know they get their kids on the court straight away and they're doing stuff with them that you know my mum and dad did with me you know hitting balloons and um, you know doing all this this sort of stuff in, in my early years so you know learning movements that mimic squash and um, yeah so basically I just really learnt you know just by being around and watching and just absorbing it all really and um, I guess yeah, having your yeah. mom uh, as a uh, you know as a player of that at that level uh, around all the time that must have been uh, yes. influential Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and just watching, and then she'd get on the court with me and hit the ball around. And uh, my dad was, you know, a, not a bad squash player either. Not not like a, a professional level player in those days. It was amateur, but you know we can call it professional level because they were you know highly accomplished players you know in those days the top Australian players so um but yeah look he used to get me on the court as well and you know that I was always very involved with sporting activities so I think it was just you know you're around it you see your parents doing it and you you kind of get the bug don't you so um yeah it was kind of a really natural easy 
uh, transition for me to get involved with, um, you know, junior competition squash. And I kind of went into that quite easily. Um, you know, no coaching really. Um, and just, just playing and, and being competitive and, you know, learning mm. how to lose and how to make mistakes and how to pick yourself up again and just well, that's the fun part of play. part of the game for 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 kids i, I mean I, I play it as a junior as well and i i really have the fun you know really really great memories of uh, all the tournaments and all the matches and friends and you know the little bit of travel yeah. that we used to do and and that that's sort of uh yeah i don't really remember i do remember a little bit of training here and there but uh, you know that that's not the the beauty of it is it at that age no, absolutely. It's all about being around your, your like-minded, you know, mates and the community. And, you know, squash was a big family. And look, I played a lot of sports. You know, I played tennis. I was in ten little tennis camps from the age of five. And, you know, I played tennis all through till I was probably 15, 16. Um, you know, played hockey, softball, you know, athletics, you know, did everything. And I, I think that that multi-sporting... Um, you know, when you're young is really important because, you know, you learn lots of different things that can apply to, to many sports. So, um, yeah, look, just just being involved and, and playing. But look, what drove me to squash more than anything, I think, was I loved playing it, of course, because, of course, it came easy to me. I, I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but I'd been on the court, you know, since a, a, like a very, very young. Um, but, you know, it was the community and it was the friends I'd made and, and um, you know, those relationships with, with your peers is so important in those early years. So, and they're still all my friends today. So mm. it's, it's, yeah, it's, look, it's a wonderful sport. And I think, you know, I think it's the greatest sport in the world. So, you know, what it's given me in my life has just been fantastic. And um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Couldn't it. agree more. Couldn't agree more. Greatest yeah. sport in the world. And uh, now when you were, when you were a junior, I think it was in squash side, I, I read an interview uh, you did with them that you mentioned, and, and we just alluded to this uh, just now, uh, that you didn't really do uh, much training per se. Uh, you get what you engaged in mostly was the match play and the tournament play. Uh, uh, so yeah. is that, um, I mean, we don't, I think we see a little bit more of the training side of things in terms of uh, the juniors that we see today. Uh, what's your view on that? Uh, in terms of preparation of uh, junior players and, and that sort of difference between, you know, or, or that sort of conversation where how much training should they do and how much sort of love of the game should they acquire over the training, which would probably put them in a better place to train well, when they're older, right? Yeah, absolutely. Look, learning how to play, learning how to strategize, uh, problem solve and all of that. You, you know, there's no, if you're fit as, if you're the fittest person in the world and you can't, you know, you know, technically you're inadequate or, you know, you can't seem to problem solve as well. Well, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, if, you, if you're fitter than the other one, the person that's got all those other skills will always win, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think when you're definitely when you're developing as a as a young player, um, I don't think the physic physicality should be bought into it at all because I think that the skills that they need to develop far outweigh anything they can do physically. Physically is like a no brainer when you're when you're older. You can either, mm. you know, you don't need you know brains to 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 lift a weight, do you? But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> you, you know you need you need yeah, that's right. 
you need good problem solving skills in squash and you have to have a high technical ability and I think that if you can develop those along the way and just get you know without being overcoached I think that happens a bit too much today where you know the players rely too much on the coach um, I think you know giving your player the room to to, to make their own mistakes and, and to think about it and to talk to their coach about it and analyse it together, uh, you know, whether they're 12 years of age or 20 years of age. You know, I think mm. taking responsibility and ownership for your decisions on the court is really important. And what the coach is there to do is to help guide you with that and help to, for you to understand better decisions or, you know, how can you do that better next time? Or how can you convert that match next time? Um, you know, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. You know, this is just the whole journey for a player. And then getting fit on top of that, that's kind of like the icing on the cake, you know? Yes. Um, the squat, you know, fitness should never be really the strength. I mean, it needs to be your backup. You know, it needs to be there when the going gets tough and you need to dig deep and you need that little bit extra. Um, you know, that physical strength and fitness plays plays a good role in that. But it's definitely not the main thing. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, you see, uh, even at the highest levels, I mean, you see a lot of you, some of the more, you know, the fitter guys, the stronger guys, uh, they get to a certain level. And then I think they need to re reevaluate. Like a guy like Nick Matthew, he, he was very fit, very strong uh, at that in that way. And then I think he figured out that he needed to add something more and he did. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, you know, a smart player. So, you know, he recognized where, where he, you know, his, his weaker area was and he, he went and worked on that. And I think that's what, you know, that's kind of what champions do um, through their whole careers. They don't rest on their laurels and think just because, you know, maybe they've won a world title that, uh, well, okay, it's just going to continue like that because, you know, the rest of the players start to catch up and start to, to read a little bit better what you're doing and change their, you know, change their, um, you know, uh, their programs to try and beat that player. So, you you know, it's about trying to stay ahead of everyone all the time, I think. Yeah. So, you know, just keeping evolving and not just, you know, being that same player over a 10-year period. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, you, I guess you went through this yourself. You turned uh, professional at relatively, uh, I guess, the, around the age that a lot of pros turn, uh, 18. And within, yes. within three years, you got to a very high level, uh, I get up to number two or three or top five in the world. So during that three-year period, I guess that, that's where you sort of discovered or, or paid more attention to the, the, the training aspect of the game. So what, what were those three years like between uh, the age of 18 and that and the time that you reached uh, uh, your prime more or less yeah well I think I approached it like when I when I first went overseas I was one of the first young Australians to go overseas so certainly as the, as a woman mm -hmm. and um, you know I, I was realistic about it and I thought well you know what I don't know what's out there there was it wasn't about money there was no career in squash and financially at that point um, and I thought you know I'm just going to give it you know, two or three years and see how I go. And if, if I don't do anything, then that's okay. I'll come back, I'll go to university, I'll get a degree. And, you know, I was kind of interested in human, human movements or sports science or something like that. And I thought, you know, what have I got to lose? And I, you know, and I, and I said to my mum, you know, I really want to do 
to it. And she was just so supportive and, you know, money's never been an issue to focus on. It was always about passion and what makes you happy. So, um, yeah, I wanted to have a go. And then I just decided, okay, I'm going to be a student of this game. I'm going to get in amongst all the top players at the moment. And all of them were older, established players. So they were crafty, you know. Um, mm. They were tough players in those days and, and sort of mentally tough. So, you know, I who, just who sort of comes to mind like as being a, a, a back in the, a, as a woman uh, that you were competing against, who, who comes to mind that was sort oh. of mentally tough that really sort of, you said, oh my, well, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. <laughs> well, Vicky Cardwell, you know, yeah. one of the toughest competitors, you know, I've ever competed against. Um, at the time, Susan Devoy had headed overseas as well and, you know, very, very tough competitor. And she got up there quite quickly. Um, you know, Angela Smith, I mean, my goodness, you know, she was, again, very, very tough competitor. You know, all these older established English players, which were just tough and crafty and, you know, knew the game, knew the subtleties of the game. And, um, yeah, I just, I just went and played tournaments and got annihilated by all of them. And, you know, but <laughs> yeah. what I did was I... <laughs> Each, each time that happened, I came away from it learning something and I thought, okay, I've got to work on this. So, you know, I made sure I trained amongst established players. Um, you know, I just kind of put myself out there and just, you know, what mm -hmm. had no expectations and just went with it and just grew and learned. And, you know, by the third year, I was converting that and beating the players that were killing me that first year. So, you know, I, I, I guess I learned pretty quickly and focused on just you know learning to be a professional player how to how to handle a professional career and, and make the most out of it so mm. yeah it was um interesting good times back then yeah <laughs> it was good times we played hard and we, we you know we we worked hard on other things as well we you know we enjoyed the social life and we um yeah, it was it was it was good fun. It was it was very different then to what it is now. It's a little bit more serious now. Um, I yeah. think we had a little bit more fun. When you we weren't were playing, playing for a million dollars uh, uh, back then, were you? No, <laughs> no, we weren't no. playing for a million dollars. Absolutely not. So yeah, it gets a little bit more serious now, doesn't it? But yeah. um, no, look, we were all very serious in what we were doing, and we weren't driven by money. So it was really about being driven by the passion that we had for this sport. And I think that, um, yeah, that, that's maybe a little different now sometimes, I think. Hmm. And, I get, and uh, speaking of back then, uh, back in, in your prime, uh, Australia dominated, uh, uh, maybe perhaps you could say that dominated the women's game for, for several years, the likes of yourself, uh, Carol Owens, Michelle Martin, Danielle uh, Drady, mm -hmm. Danielle Hart, who she is now. Uh, that's Sarah, right, yeah. Sarah Fitzgerald, the list goes on. So uh, they must have been uh, exciting years for you. Uh, now, you could compare that maybe to uh, Egypt now. Uh, what, was the dynamic uh, that exists with the girls in Egypt similar to what you guys had back then, or was it uh, uh, any different? Um, I think that, look, we all trained and played together for, for many years as juniors and, and going into the seniors. And I, I was probably two or three years ahead of Michelle, about four years ahead of Sarah and about mm, six or seven years ahead of Carol. So, um, but, but, you know, and Danielle and I went through together and I'm just, I was just a couple of years older than Danielle, two or three years older. So um, we kind of all really did sort of uh, play and train and do all that together. Um, we always had a pretty good camaraderie, but we were also very competitive with each other. So I think 
that um, that also helped push the level up. So I, I kind of see that with the Egyptian girls as well. You know, in Egypt, they're, they're really encouraged. They play a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, they play against each other a lot. So that competitiveness is, is, is very high. And they're they also pushing the level with each other. And I think that's probably where you can compare um, what's happening with Egypt today to, to what we had in those days. You know, we're all pushing each other along and, um, yeah, we all had a goal. We all had a drive. We all want to be world champion, world number one. So, and we all were going for it. So I think that was very healthy. Yeah. By the way, uh, Danielle, uh, is. I, I live in... Um near dubai and uh, she's here now or was uh, I haven't oh, seen her in a while, uh, but she's here and i saw her uh a few years back on court she was doing some training with someone she can still play <laughs> oh she hits a beautiful ball yeah she always hit a beautiful ball yep and uh, she uh, also I, I noticed she moved uh, quite well and she was moving very well yeah that's great no she was a great player beautiful yeah. player now it hasn't been uh it hasn't been that way unfortunately for the last few years uh maybe 10 years for Australia, even in the, on the men's side, although you have Cameron uh, and uh, Ryan mm-hmm. doing reasonably well, but uh, not what it was like back in those days. Um, so what do you think perhaps has happened and what maybe needs to be injected into the sort of the training side or, or, or the, you know, the development side there in, in Australia to bring back uh, uh, those glory uh, days where you had top players on both men's and women's sides? Yeah, well, I think professionalism has definitely got in the way of that because when we were coming through, a lot of ex-players and and in particular female players um, were always happy to give back. You know, they're always happy to get on court, give you advice, play you. Not It wasn't about charging you money for it and all of this sort of stuff. So um, we had a lot more people volunteering and... You know, it wasn't about having one coach. It was about having different influences. And if you thought you wanted, you know, if I wanted Marion Jackman to help me, who was two in the world to Heather Mackay in the early days, beautiful player. I mean, you know, I would go to her for some, you know, say, could you help me with a few things? And she would gladly do it. Or, you know, I'd get on court with Vicky Cardwell and train, you know, at 17 mm-hmm. years of age. And, you know, we just always had really good female role models around us. And I think that that is absolutely crucial for female development. Um, I'm not saying they have to have female coaches, but um, I think the reason why we, I think, excelled so well in Australia, in the, in, certainly in the late 70s, early 80s, was, um, you know, Heather Mackay was very involved. And, you know, she was one of the, the coaches at the Australian Institute of Sport. And... She was, you know, very supportive of us and was massive value to female development here. So I think that that's kind of been lost. Um, Mm -hmm. We haven't had any good, strong female role models for the Australian women's squash development for many, many years. Um, So, yeah, I think that um, it's very underestimated how important that is. Um, So, yeah, I, I would like to see more women... Um, certainly that have been there and done it, you know, being bought in and, and being involved, um, you know. Yeah. It's kind yeah, that of one sounds, of those things that it's, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about uh, uh, right. I, I think the Austra- it's the, a lot of the Australians, they, 
the, the top players end up going to the, is it the Australian Institute of Sport? Is that uh, basically where, where the, the, the talented players end up going for their, their funding or their training? Is that? Well, it's where it used to be, but I think okay. that because Australia is so big, you've got all the different, you know, states and there's always going to be, um, you know, problems between states. We're too mm -hmm. big. If it was just, you know, one, you know, uh, federation overseeing everything and saying, okay, New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, whoever it is, this is how we're going to run it here. <laughs> mm -hmm. And these are the coaches yeah. we're bringing in. This is, but, you know, you can't do that because you've got, you know, the other states have a say. So I think that's, I mean, I may be wrong. I, I don't, you know, that's kind of how it used to be. Maybe it has changed now and I'm maybe a little bit out of touch. But um, I think working together has proven to be quite difficult over the last, uh, you know, 15 to 20 years, I yeah. think. You can draw a parallel and, um, maybe with, uh, I mean, Canada's going, although we, we've never, we've had Jonathan Power and, uh, <laughs> you know, that's about it in the yeah. of our top players, but Canada's going through a similar, has gone through a similar issue where we're such a big country and we've got players basically from east to west that, that you know, could potentially be very talented, but it's tough to bring everybody together and, and work, work hard yeah. uh, that way. Yeah. Uh, similarly. Yeah, and I think... Absolutely. And look, there is talent everywhere. You know, it's, you know, what opportunities are they going to get to develop that talent? Um, I mean, look at uh, Diego Elias. Is that, I never know how to say his name. Diego Elias? Or is Elias, Elias I think Diego? If, if you ask Elias, uh, Joey Barrington, he might know. Yeah, anyway, you know who I'm talking about. From yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look at this kid. He is unbelievable. Yeah. And he's come from a country that I didn't even know played squash. Right. And this, this, this guy's just got it. And, you know, he went and he's worked with Jonathan Power. And so he's, you know, there's this amazing talent. Yeah. And he's actually well, see, uh, thinking about him. He seems to have taken the, the same approach that you took. Just work with as many good mind, you know, like-minded, squash-minded uh, people and get advice from as many good people as you can. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, he's just a great example of really amazing talent. And he's been able to find a way to nurture that. Or someone has maybe stepped in and guided that process for him, which is, is equally as important. So, you know, I think, um, yeah, look, I'd like to see, and I think all of, all of us who've been there and played and, and were passionate about certainly the women's tour and the way, you know, we tried to grow it, um, we want to see more women participating and, but, and we want them to have, you know, equal opportunities to, to de develop and, you know, have their talent nurtured, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And I would just like to see much more involvement from former female players. And I would like more encouragement from, you know, the powers that be, you know, so PSA, um, national associations, um, making sure that they, they get, their females involved um, to help with their their female players, and it's it's crucial. Yeah, that's a great message, uh, Liz. That's a great message. Let's hope uh, something yeah. happens uh, in that regard. And yeah. love to see. Uh, I mean, Australia always brought a really exciting, uh, great, exciting players over the years to the table. So uh, hopefully, we can we can see that again some point yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely and i think you know if we, if you overcoach them you can, sometimes you're just taking all that beautiful talent out of a player you know i'd, I'd much rather see 
a teenager just hitting nicks all over the place and not even mm. be able to get the ball straight down the wall to the back to begin with. You know, I'd yeah, rather yeah. see them, you know, going for shots. That, 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 that's what you see. Uh, sometimes Rami, uh, Rami Asher will post uh, stuff on Facebook and that's basically what he's doing. He's, he's out there creating yeah. stuff that we've never seen before. And, and when he's at his best, no one beats him, right? That's right, you know, and if, if all you have to do is learn how to get the ball straight down the wall at some point, well, gee, isn't that um, an easy solution, <laughs> you know, for, <laughs> for, for players to know how to, you know, hit both nicks and go for the volley nick off, you know, drop cross-court nicks, you know, anything, and explore and experiment with your angles, and, mm. you know, squash is all about angles, so the fact that, yeah. you know, pe people are coached out of that, to hit straight up and down the wall, you know, at 12, 13, 14 years of age. I think it's criminal. Yeah. You know? um, let well, them it, learn that later, you know? Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, learn that later yeah. when you, you know, yeah, when, when you start thinking more about developing uh, further in your game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now you yeah. got, uh, we're talking more about coaching now. So a after a few, uh, I guess injuries that you had in your your pro career, you decided to take uh, sort of move into uh, coaching, and you took on. I could be mistaken. The, maybe your first uh, uh, player was uh, Vanessa Atkinson. Uh, you may have been coaching a little bit before that, but uh, as we know, she yeah. really, uh, she reached world number one. So uh, how how did that all come about with uh, Vanessa, and uh, what was it like uh, working with her and uh, watching her reach uh, reach the pinnacle of the game? Yeah, that was an interesting process for me actually, because I'd just moved to Holland and um, I was still playing. I'd had some injuries, so I, I couldn't really train. But you know, at that age, and you've played so long, you sort of play on memory. So, you know, I, I was still competitive in the top 10 uh, without really having to do too much, you know, uh, at the time. Not not for very long. I'm not being arrogant with that, but it's just, you know, I held a fitness level enough to, um, you know, be able to pull out a few good wins every now and again. Um, yeah. But uh, so anyway, I was in Holland coaching at uh, Squash City, which is a, a fantastic club in the centre of Amsterdam. And yes. um Vanessa By the way, there, there's so many good clubs in uh, in Holland. I, I used to work in uh, Eindhoven, yeah. and there was like there was a facility oh, yeah. there, like 15 courts or something. It was crazy. Yep. In yeah, a public no, public great, facility. Great facility. Yeah, 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 fantastic. Sorry, but uh, yeah, anyway. no, great clubs. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. No, they've really got a great standard of squash clubs there. And um, but you know, anyway, in the meantime, you know, Vanessa sort of came up to me and said, "Look, you know, seeing you here in Holland, would you?" like to do some work with me and I said well I'd love to of course I would and you know I played Vanessa for many years so I was very aware of you know playing her and where I felt I could help her because um, I always felt like she had you know quite a talent but I always just felt that she just didn't really know what to do with it or where to um, how to get her game to that level of being really competitive at the top end so mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think I started with her when she was about 27 in the world or 30 in the world, something like that. She was about 23 years of age, 24. She'd been playing for quite some time. So um, at that age, she played quite young. I think she was on the tour at 16, maybe something mm. like that. So anyway, we just sort of worked away. And, you know, really all I did was just, you know, drum, drum the basics in because she had, you know, a lovely, lovely stroke. Um, she was strong on the court. Um, she just didn't quite 
do the right things at the right time, you know, and um, that's all I really worked with her on. And I just made her a little bit more of a disciplined player and, and also helped work with a few things to not expose her movement uh, at the time. So, and that just sort of picked up and up and, you know, she was got to top five in the world within three years of working together, which was fantastic. And in the how, meantime, how did that, whole, how did that uh, uh, impact you as a coach? I mean, seeing that happen and, you know, obviously Vanessa's a talented player, but you had the, uh, Clearly, you had something to do with her progress. So how did that affect you uh, in terms of what you were, your passion to, towards coaching? Well, I think what it did for me was it, it brought a new level of enjoyment, you know, back into my squash. Because um, when I started working with Vanessa, I said to her, I hope you get into the top five in the next three years. I think it's, you're capable of doing that, but this is my plan for you. And she sort of looked at me as if to think, my God, three years, I can't even think that far ahead, you know. But I kind of, I always, I just threw the seat out there to just know top five was definitely, definitely possible. Mm -hmm. And I'm not joking, three years to that month, pretty much, she slipped into the top five. So, and I reminded her of it when she got into the top five and said, do you remember what I said to you three years ago? She went, no, what? <laughs> I said, you'd be in the top five in three years. And she went, oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah. And then she just sort of, you know, her confidence just grew and grew and grew. And then, you know, she won that world title. So, oh, she was a yeah. beautiful player, tremendous player. And it was, it was really rewarding to see that, you know, to, to have an impact and help you know, someone that you really like as well as a person and um, help to see them achieve some real goals and dreams, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess, uh, um, obviously, I'm going to ask you about Nicole David. Uh, you started working uh, with her in 2001. Now, we, we could spend uh, five podcasts talking about uh, Nicole and what she's done and, oh my and accomplished. Oh, years but yeah. i'd just like to know uh, your thoughts because uh, i went uh, i you mentioned that you basically did a uh, maybe a complete makeover of different aspects uh, of her game so uh, how did uh, yeah. like how difficult was this for for you and to and her to get your heads around uh, uh, in the beginning uh, of your relationship with nicole well i think you know again i'd been i'd played nicole you know and i'd seen her um, at events, so I, I used to watch her play, and I thought, "Oh my goodness, if only you know, if only she could sort of, you know, learn to do a few of these things, you know, this would be a great step for her." And I remember thinking that in my head because she definitely had the X factor mentally. She was very focused on the court. Uh, she was extremely fast, but mm. you know, she was running around like a headless chook. You know, it was really just. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they, they were always relying on her speed and I felt that that was just wrong you know this right. is, this kid's a great little player she's got a great mindset um but I guess you know, yeah uh, never maybe at the junior like level that might have gotten her to uh you know the heights that she reached but uh once she yeah absolutely yeah. Mm -hmm. absolutely but if she wanted to and she, look she was going she was destined to be a world champion as a senior player there, there's no doubt about that um but I thought, you know, I used to watch her play and think these things. And then, then she came to Amsterdam a couple of times and uh, we got on court together. And, and, you know, we just really clicked as, as human beings. And um, 
you know, I, I like to have fun on the court as well. Uh, so I think she enjoyed that element. And then one year after that, I think it was, uh, Malaysia sort of contacted me and just sort of said, look, you know, we'd love to send Nicole and Sharon Wee to come and train with me mm-hmm. for five or six weeks to do a, a training stint. And I think that was really just to see if that was going to be something that would work for Nicole. And, um, and I, I thought, yeah, great. So then that's when I really got stuck into thinking about a process that would be really, you know, good to start that, to get her building towards, you know, being, yeah, number one in the world, I think, because mm. that was really her destiny, yeah. I think. Whether, whether she was with me as a coach or anyone, I mean, that, that's really, you know, this kid was, it was just wanting information just sitting on your every word so obviously she was she was she bought in right from the get-go in terms of you know what you were trying to uh what you wanted to achieve in terms of breaking her game down again Uh, yep yeah and and i told her that you know she'll go backwards for a little bit it won't be long but it may mean six months you know you're just going to go back a little bit but you'll just this will be how you're going to make the next step forward so there was a lot of work to do and you know it needed a good three years to really three to four years to really start to implement most of it but the first couple of years was really you know breaking down and building up again and getting those basics strong and learning how to control the center and I think that that was you know something I was very clear on um, and just, you know, get her experience against all the top girls and learn from it. And we'd analyze things and talk about it after matches. And, you know, what, what someone did to her, I'd say, now that's exactly what I'm talking about. This is what you need to do to them first. And, you know, it was this sort of, you know, educating, you know, along the way and, you know, backing it up, reinforcing it and having good examples of it as well. And I think that's really important for players to, feel what's being done to them on a court, you know, yeah. so that they can kind yeah, Don't of be learn, afraid oh. of failure. You know, identify, yeah. uh, identify why you failed and then work on it. And that, that's obviously going to uh, improve your game because you failed for a reason. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. And you see how much pressure a player can put on you by doing these things that, you, you know, you're now aware of. And that's a really great way for them to just go, yeah, you're right. That's what I've got to do now. I get it. Yeah. And, you know, when the penny drops, it, it's, it's great. So, you know, I think, I think the strength for Nicole and I was that she trusted me implicitly with her game and she trusted, um, I guess, the knowledge that I was trying to impart on her. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's all, you, you know. You don't want to be on court with a player that's arguing with you. You know, do <laughs> no, you? No. <coughs> so... I've no, had no. them, don't worry. Um, yeah. But, you know, they're arguing with you why why they need to do something or that, and you're having to, you know, spend all this time explaining something, which is okay to explain it, but then they go, oh, okay. But otherwise, if they're going to keep arguing about it, you know, that's no fun for a coach either. No. So, you know, you, you as a coach, you want to enjoy your time on the court as well, and I think that's really important. No, exactly. You, you want them to enjoy it and you want to enjoy yeah. it. So if you're, you're not. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, now obviously uh, Nicole's still playing at a, at a, at a very high level, uh, but you know, she's got a few mountains to climb in order to get back to, uh, to number one again. Is that something that's a, a 
in terms of your goals for Nicole over the next couple of years? Uh, is that something that you have uh, a vision for? Is getting back? No, not no, no, no. It's not a vision. I think that you know. I think the most important thing uh, for Nicole, certainly, you know, what, when we talk about things, is that just to enjoy it. And mm -hmm. you know what? She, you know, train hard, prepare well, you know. And if you do that, and your mind's in the right place when you play. Anything can happen, you know. Yeah. But um, I think well, that's exactly you know, what I see when I see her. When I'm watching her play, she seems to be really, uh, really enjoying it. She's got some wins. She's got taken some losses, but at the end of the day, uh, yeah. she, she seems like she's a happy camper. Well, that look—that's the most important thing. What she achieved in those nine years of being number one in the world—I I don't think people really can even imagine how much that took out of her mentally and emotionally. And mm. I think that. Um, you know, it's a tall order to re reproduce that again. And I, I just think, you know, sometimes, you know, you know what it's like. Players lose the magic and it's yeah. hard to get it back, you know. And um, it hasn't diminished her love for the game or anything like that. She loves the game. That is why she's still playing. Um, you know, she's got nothing to prove. You know, she's just, she's comfortable within herself. And she just loves competing. So I think it's just... You know, just enjoy it. If she can, if she can get a few, you know, great wins in, you know, I think that's tremendous. And yeah. um, and she's certainly still capable of it. Uh, but yeah. you know, it's up to her at the end of the day if if she can mentally get get there with it. You know. Well, she looks fair. I mean, she still looks strong, and she's she moves well and uh, has a great game, uh, all around game. Yeah, so you never, fit as a fiddle. Fiddle, yeah. Yep. Impressive. Fit as Impressive. Never had, never had an injury. <laughs> She's never had an injury, No, no. That? Well, that's a testament to the work she's put in, obviously, not only uh, yeah. as a player, but, you know, off the court and whatever she's, uh, whatever you guys do, uh, and whatever she yeah. does uh, to keep herself yep. fit. Yeah. Yeah. I call her the queen of rest. Okay. <laughs> the queen of rest. Of, okay. um, queen of rest. Okay. Uh, why is it, why, where does that uh, come from? Well, because she trains really effectively and yeah. she she never overtrains yes and, oh yeah you know and she rests well you know she she period her training is periodized really well so yeah. well periodization was such a bit it was a sort of a hot thing about 10 years ago like there there were a lot yeah. there was lots of real you know good literature on it and i i, I mean with my within my little squash world i, I did a little periodization <laughs> in my training yeah. and, it, and it was useful but then it kind of now you've got all this crazy uh circuit training and crossfit stuff which yes. is the um True. i guess an evolution of the, the periodization aspect but um yeah, yeah uh, that's that's amazing yeah so she 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 does uh, she knows how to rest properly yeah, cute. and she's you know she used to have her, th her um, therapist traveling with her to every tournament. Ronald, um, you know, bless you know, rest in peace. He passed away uh, a oh. couple of years ago, um, mm -hmm. but uh, you know he was a fantastic supporter of Nicole and and just you know her pre-match work, post-match uh, stuff. After you know, just was really well looked after, and she you know would finish tournaments fresh actually uh, mm. even when she won them you know so there's there's a lot to be said about that and I think that um, you know she's been able to master that more than probably anyone's been able to do it so yeah well the yeah. longevity uh, uh, you know she's still playing at a high level so that speaks for itself right there
Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And no injury problems, no long-term, nothing. So, mm. so yeah, quite special. Well, Liz, I want to uh, ask you now, uh, now we've got uh, the app, the Squash Lab app, which uh, I think it's, it's been uh, uh, around for at least a year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a personalized squash training app. And uh, basically, before I get into the sort of more specific uh, stuff, could you give us a, li a little thumbnail for anyone who might not know what it is, uh, Squash Lab? Well, Squash Lab is an app that I developed um, for every level of player, player. So it's from absolute beginner. It's for someone that has never seen a squash court. And it's for a top A grade player who is just under professional national level, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I've developed the app so that people can tap into sort of a level of play that's for them. So we have a little assessment process at the start of the app to see where you're at um, and to how to get your game to that next level. How, how are you going to improve that? So I take you through some pretty steady steps, um, like through a six-week program um, to, yeah, to just develop your game. So what may seem a little bit difficult or sometimes a bit easy in the beginning of the, uh, the, 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 the I guess you could call it a course or, or lessons, um, you know, you're challenged all the way through and yeah. what you couldn't do in the beginning, you're well and truly gaining great control towards the sixth week, fifth, sixth week of the, um, the course. Okay. So, um, that's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's just a unique coaching program and, um, it's got carefully selected, you know, professional free video, uh, free videos of coaching. I share different techniques that help Nicole, you know, become yep. a champion. And she, she's um, also uh, contributed to the app. I noticed there's a Ask yep. Nicole section or a part. Or yep. yep. Yeah, yeah. There's this, just it's a little Nicole David um, um, fan club that we put in, right. um, you know, where you can just tap in and see some things that just don't, you don't get on the internet. Um, it's got, look, it's got free training video portal, squash assessment, uh, you've got free seven-day trial of any of the coaching programs so people can tap into it uh, for free. And if they okay. think that it's something that can help them, they can, um, you know, uh, buy into some lessons, which, you know, we've made absolutely affordable and very flexible for people. Um, so, so the key is because uh, within the guarantee, you guarantee that if you follow the program, you're going to improve. The key is to stick with like the six-week uh, Stick through, yeah, through through six yeah. weeks of what what uh, what you suggest your suggest training. Absolutely, yep. And look, if you find the first week mm. you know difficult, or you think I wouldn't mind doing that again, well, by all means, do it. Because what I want people to do by the end of that six week, by the time they finish that last week, they're like killing it to what they could even manage in the beginning. So mm. that you know, and that's the whole thing about improving your skill, uh, improving your problem solving ability your knowledge, um, all that sort of stuff. So I've, I kind of take you through this journey. It's a little bit like having me as your, your private coach on the court with you. Brilliant. Um, yes. Yeah. And we look, we're making a few new um, uh, additions. We're updating the, the website so that you can actually come into the website and download um, the lessons. You can create your own lessons. That's our next feature. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, if I if I join the app, I could say you're you're my coach then. 
Exactly. Yeah. Reserving is coaching, yeah. you know. That's it. That's yeah. it. And basically what I do with the lesson, so each lesson you're in, there's always um, phases to the lesson. The first part is always going to be just a little warm-up. And we're going to be adding new videos for the warm-up. But Nicole takes you through a beginner warm-up or she takes you through an intermediate warm-up or she takes you through an advanced warm-up. So mm -hmm. we keep it relative to the level that you're at. Then the next video that you'll tap into once you've done your warm-up is called the Learn Zone. And this is the prep for the lesson, basically. So it just gives you reminders. All It's all video visual learning. I've tried to keep a lot of um, babbling, talking, you know, too much of that. I've tried to keep it very, very structured and simple to understand. Mm. Um, and let the visual learning take over rather than the words. And I think that's kind of important for people at yeah, club level. Absolutely, yeah. I know that for sure. They get very confused when there's too many messages going on. So I keep the message very clear. Um, we videoed this and done this to a, a specific um, way so that you're really tapping into the whole learning process. And so you have a learn zone and I'll always prep you with just making sure your grip's correct. Mm -hmm. You know, you practice your figure eight swings, you practice your swing, you get that in place. And then I take you into the lesson. And once you've done your, your four parts to the lesson, you'll then go into a cool down and then there's a progress tracker, which means you can rate the experience of that lesson and how you felt and make notes and all sorts yeah. of things. So it becomes this whole sort of little personal journey that you can, you know, you can always tap into. And um, no, I'm, look, I'm really proud of it because it's really been something that we developed from scratch and it hasn't been done before. So it's a very, very unique uh, learning tool for squash. And actually it's, it would be great for any sport the way we've run this. So yeah, I think uh, I think it was uh, Paul Asciante. You might know him. He was on uh, my podcast, yes. and uh, he he had mentioned the value of actually taking notes uh, after yeah. after any training session, or you know, just to sort of, uh, and, and it's something that he impresses upon his younger players at the university that he coaches at. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's why this is is great tool for for coaches as well, and we have you know we have. Um, uh, a coach uh, pack so coaches can um, you know endorse this this app they can have their clients using the app and tap into you know it makes the client a little bit more um, you know looking after their own program a bit as well so making themselves accountable for what they're doing and making their own notes and so you know each week you get on with your coach you can say this is what I did this week you know I've done right. all the training I've done this hard I found this easy I'd like to do a bit more of this and then the coach can start to look and go oh yeah I see what you've done here that's great all right well let's let's do a bit of this today or you know so it starts to get this sort of you know communication between coach and player in um, a non-threatening way actually because it's not taking it's not taking away the um, skills or the um, the theories that the coach uses it's an addition to helping your client or your player hmm. to do extra, you know, and follow a different specific uh, program, which it can also take the load off the coach as well, you know. Absolutely, so yeah. Yeah. Put so, uh, a little no, more accountability on the, on the player and, and then uh, yeah. they can bring that to their session with the coach, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, look, if people want to have a look at it, our website, it's just, you know, squashlab.net. And, um, 
yeah, take a look and, we, you know. And yeah, then no, it looks good. I, I looked at it. Uh, I, I mean, I noticed it a while ago and I'm taking a look at it. And I actually went to the app and uh, it's it's affordable uh, to download. Absolutely. It's only a, a, do- you know two, a couple dollars. So. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very affordable and, and, it's, and it's flexible, you know. And I think the other thing that I felt this could work really nicely for is, you know, the dads and their sons that go down and play squash on a Saturday morning together. So, you know, dad may be a novice player, but he just wants to get on court with his son who might be nine or 10 years of age or 11. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they want to play a bit of squash and hit the ball around. And um, But dad's not really, you know, technically too doesn't good. Know where to start. Doesn't really yeah. know where to start. Doesn't really know what, where to start. So this would be just absolutely ideal for, for that sort of parent-child um, interaction, you know, on a squash court and to to do some fun activities together, which can only improve their skills, you know, and for the parent as well. So it's got lots of, lots of great little, you know, lots of, it's very multifaceted, the whole yeah, way definitely. you can use it. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That that's a great idea, and I guess it's a it's an app that's uh, applicable to all levels, like you mentioned. Now, I have a I have a technical uh, question for you, if you don't mind, before we leave off. You've been great with your time, uh, Liz. Uh, now, I'm over fifty. Uh, I played at a you know the provincial level in Canada, so I reached the you know the top of my province. Uh, but uh, yep. now I'm over fifty, and uh, I think for a lot of us that are over fifty, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I think it's the same. Uh, movement suffers and our reaction like I, I'm I don't react to the ball until it's past me now I, I don't know why <laughs> yep. and quickness yep. and, um, uh, they suffer as well and it's just some, something I try to work on you know I do little things here and there you know I do lots of ghosting and uh, I'm yep. not sure if I'm what I'm doing is right so what would you recommend in terms of addressing those things like agility and quickness reaction to, you know, a faster pace uh, for those of us uh, uh, <laughs> over 50. <laughs> is there, is there, well, is the, there anything in there? <laughs> well, the simplest thing is work on your lob. That's all yeah. I can recommend. Mm-hmm. Slow that ball down, give yourself time because the faster you hit, the quicker you need to be. The slower you hit, the slower you can be. So, you know, it's kind of, yeah, bring that lob into your game and, um, yeah, don't let that ball go past you on the tee if you don't have to. You know, if you can volley it, yeah. volley it. And the minute they're behind you, drop the ball short. You know, it's that distance and that, um, you know, taking the speed element out because, look, if you like hitting hard and fast and, and you get the enjoyment out of it, then, you know, that's just part of the whole adrenaline, isn't it? Yeah. I guess, game. and there'll, there'll be opportunities to hit hard, uh, but you just... Absolutely. To, yeah. I'd just be, you know, the harder they hit, I'd just sort of toss that ball back a little bit, heighten it a bit, give yourself a little more settling time, and then um, pounce on the next shot, you know? Yeah. So definitely the lob, as you get older, is one of the key, key shots that everyone needs to develop. So... Um, that's probably my best advice for the over 50. I think, uh, okay. That's, yeah. no, I played we last week and, um, and yeah. it went pretty well, but I mean, I, I just, uh, I just felt a few on a few occasions. Uh, I just felt a little bit slow, but that's just, uh, I guess that's yep. a natural uh, passage of time. Yep. That's going to happen. So. <laughs> yeah. And slow ball it out of the back as well. You know, high toss cross courts, nice and wide, you know, yep. get back in front of your opponent. 
So yeah, heightening the ball, slowing it down. Oh, lots of good stuff on my app to learn with that. You can take perfect. you through a whole series developing that lob. So. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'll work on that. Uh, I'm playing again tomorrow, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw a few more lobs in and let you know how, uh, how it played out. Absolutely. I'd like to hear that. <laughs> okay. Well, Liz, uh, uh, I just want to thank you uh, for, for joining me today. It was really great chatting with you. Uh, you've had a great career as a player and a fantastic one as a coach as well. And I hope that everything goes well with the app. And uh, all the best uh, to you, Nicole, and your team uh, going forward. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jerry. Really nice to talk with you. Well, thanks again uh, to Liz for coming on to the podcast. That was fantastic. Really enjoyed that conversation. Uh, so much there, uh, everything from her career to what she's doing with her coaching and obviously with the new app, Squash Lab. Definitely um, her, uh, her advice to me to try lobbing the ball more, to give myself more time to think uh, that might be... Uh, I, I tend to do that uh, quite a bit, but... Uh, yeah, the last time out, I just remember I was trying to hammer the ball uh, uh, at every opportunity, and that could have been uh, uh, the, the reason why I wasn't able to react as quickly as I used to be able to. So maybe, yeah, I need to figure out when to use the lob a little bit more. Uh, but any at any rate, uh, her the new Squash Lab app, I'm definitely going to give it a whirl and see, you know, after six weeks how much I've improved. Um, so why don't you guys give that a shot too I think it's quite affordable uh, if you go into your Google uh, store whatever you use to uh, download apps take a look at it and see what you think um, now uh, again now uh, not only do I appreciate uh, Liz I appreciate all of you for listening uh, and uh, any suggestions that you have for future podcasts whether it's players coaches uh, individuals media members uh, squash enthusiasts uh, I'm open to anything so shoot me a, a message or leave a comment on uh, Twitter or Facebook and thanks again for listening everyone uh, we do have a couple of more coming up a couple of uh, really exciting uh, uh, guests coming I don't want to give it away as uh, as I tend to do I don't want to jinx uh, these things before they happen so uh, just let me uh, leave it by saying that I know you're going to enjoy uh, the next few podcasts if uh, everything goes accordingly so thanks everyone for listening and have a great day. Goodbye now.